0: Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia Hi everyone, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe for free on Spotify or Apple Podcasts Hi everyone, and welcome to the Greener Side Podcast, your guide to all things immigration And today we are discussing Hong Kong and here with us today is the Banana Q podcast host, or rather one half of the podcast, D. And she will tell us more about Hong Kong's employment visa. Thank you so much, D, for being with us and welcome to The Greener Side. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you also for being here with us today, D. So before we start, tell our listeners naman a bit about yourself. Right,
1: so I'm D. I grew up in Sambuanga City, Philippines, and I graduated with a degree in Bachelor of Science in Accountancy just for context. So I know that the listeners who are paying attention to this probably would want to know that, right? Like, what is my background? (laughs) Basically what I graduated in. And okay, so after around a year after I graduated, I decided to take a risk and look for a job in Makati. And that, the reason for that is because usually, unfortunately, in the Philippines back then, anyway, I'm not sure about now, but there really isn't a really good career opportunities in places that are not in Metro Manila. So I went there and then I found a job and then I ended up staying for four years. So I worked for two multinational companies and then I decided to take another risk and I flew to Singapore. And again, I was lucky enough to find a job and I ended up staying for 11 years. So that's actually where more of my OFW experience is from. Heading to Hong Kong, January 2020 is when it all started. So my friend, she's based in Canada. So she asked me to send her my CV because she said that there might be a job opportunity for me in their company. I was interested in Canada. So I said, okay, sure. So I sent her my CV and then... One or maybe two days later, I got an email from their HR asking if I was interested in applying for a role, but in Hong Kong. <laughs> right, in Malayo. <She's> like, what? <laughs> um, at first, I wasn't interested at all. But my friend said, why don't you just you know, give it a try? So I said, okay, sure, why not? So I interviewed for it, but I wasn't really expecting much. But they ended up giving me a job offer. so. <laughs> Even though at the time, I was afraid to move to Hong Kong because of the protests. Because this was the beginning of the 2020. There was no pandemic yet. So my worry at the time was the protests.
0: Mm-mm. And also,
1: I was also concerned because I didn't really know a lot of people there. But then this was too good of a career move to pass up. So in the end, I accepted the job.
0: Oh, okay. So you originally planned to go to Canada yeah, <laughs> <were> flying for <laughs> Canada. But then... You got sent to the other side of the world instead, uh-huh. Hong <laughs> <Yes>. Kong. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you disappointed that uh, it was not to your expectation?
1: Oh, yeah, to be honest, because for a while, I was really interested in moving to Canada just because usually Filipinos like moving to either Canada or Australia. Right. That, those are mm-hmm. the two most oh. popular destinations yeah. because of the um, but then I thought, OK, well, why not? This is a career move anyway. And if I still want to move someday, at least uh, we do have an office there. <laughs> and, you know, maybe there would still be an opportunity and it was still a good chance anyway to make my CV better looking. Like, you know, if you have a higher position, right, you might be more likely to be hired by other People abroad.
0: Yeah. And you have experience now in multiple countries. So that's another yeah. <laughs> something under your belt. So when you move to Hong Kong, or rather for you to move to Hong Kong, you need a type of visa. And yes. you got an employment pass. That's right. Yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think, I no, I think employment pass is what they call it in Singapore. So I got confused and and um, t- called it that. But I think in Hong Kong, it's either employment visa or work visa, but same thing, right? So yeah, that's what I
0: had. Yeah, so you got an employment visa. So what does this visa, what rights does it give
1: you? What is it? Right, so a valid Hong Kong employment or work visa, it's required for foreigners by the immigration department. So you have to have this before taking up any sort of employment, whether it's paid or unpaid, short-term or long-term. So generally, it gives you the right to live here once you are approved. It's usually approved for two years okay, from the moment that you can start working. In order to successfully apply for a Hong Kong work visa, there are several criteria that immigration will be focused on. The first one is that the individual should have secured an employment or job offer Before the visa application is submitted, and should possess unique qualifications and relevant working experience that are not readily available in Hong Kong in order to fulfill the visa requirement. In this case, you obviously cannot be a fresh graduate or something like that, right? So you you need to have some experience under your belt. And then the second one is the salary offered should be met with market rate. So I guess it depends on what your role is. You cannot be having a salary that is below average and then the third one is the sponsoring company should be financially stable and healthy
0: and should have local staff and office premises already set up okay so for an overseas worker to go to hong kong and get an employment visa they need to have that job offer Mm
1: -hmm. they need
0: to have the qualifications and the work experience their salary should be like the standard salary. It shouldn't be lower than the, the median wage for uh, the profession. Yeah, for the role, yes. Yep. Yeah, and the company should be financially stable and should also be employing locals. Yeah, I think it just shouldn't be
1: some random startup you know that like you know they they haven't proven themselves right that 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 cannot be the case, I suppose, and also to add on to this, right So if an individual comes to Hong Kong before having a work visa application, or for example, the thing that people like to do in Singapore, which I did before is you go to Singapore on a holiday pass, right and then when you're there, you look for a job and then they will apply for a visa from you. Now it's not going to work anymore. But in the past, it was easy to get approved for an employment pass. But in Hong Kong, that is not the case. If you are recruited locally, if you did that same thing, right, and then subsequently the company applies for a work visa while you're in Hong Kong, this will affect a change of status application from a visitor visa to a work visa. But this type of visa application is comparatively more difficult to process and requires an explanation as to why an individual did not apply for a work visa before he or she came. So yeah, mm. the forums advise that you know you should not do this as much as possible. So maybe if you really do that, I don't know, if you really thought that that was the way to do it, you should probably leave Hong Kong first and then the employer will process your visa or something, but you cannot apply for that visa
0: while you are in Hong Kong. Yeah, Yeah, that's important to know because some countries are okay with tourists applying for jobs there Mm -hmm. and then just uh, converting their tourist visa to a work visa. But Mm -hmm. in regions such as Hong Kong, it's good to know that that is actively discouraged and they will give you a much harder time if you do that. Yes, that's true. So, the, what documents did you need to be able to apply for this visa? Uh, you need to fill out a form.
1: Uh, I co- forgot what the form is called, but yeah, it's a form for this. And then you need to submit a recent photograph, a photocopy of your passport, and proof of academic qualifications and relevant work experience. They have to prove that this person has the skills to be, why did you have to hire from abroad rather than somebody locally, right? So you need to have relevant work experience. So usually this is certificates of employment. And in my case, I believe I had one job where I didn't have a certificate of employment for some reason. It was just a job offer. But the HR said that the immigration is not going to accept that. So since it was just like six months or something, maybe I should just not include it in the employment history portion. Because it will only solicit more questions. So, yeah, so I think if you're, you have to make sure before doing that, if you really want to come here, you should already have certificates of employment. Start reaching out to your former employers and ask for that if you don't have it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very important. Yan mga ating aspiring kababayan, it's important to note that if you could, you should gather the documents that you think you might need, such as your passport, NBI, uh, bank statements, yung mga job certificate, like uh, mm-hmm. proof of your job experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ano pa ba yung diploma, transcript of records, etc Yeah, proof of academic qualifications usually
1: involves diploma and the transcript of records. So yeah, I submitted both. But yeah. I don't think I was asked for NBI clearance or police clearance for Hong Kong work visa that was not required, but I don't know if for other kinds
0: of visas it is. But yeah. hmm Okay. So a form, tapos recent photo, passport, and academic or work experience. What else? Did you need anything else?
1: No, I don't I think that was it, but then it needed to be submitted to the office, the immigration office, I mean, yeah.
0: Okay, so if you submit a form, is it like a physical form or is there a digital website or a website where you can upload these digitally? Or at least, what was your experience? My
1: experience was I was given the PDF copy of the file and then I needed to fill it out. And then I submitted the scanned version because you need to sign it. So after you fill it out and then you sign it, because I was not in Hong Kong, right? So... I submitted it to the HR. I think I submitted a scanned copy of the form to HR. Yeah. And then they were the ones who physically careered, I suppose, or went to the office to submit those forms and requirements on my behalf. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Because you applied through a company and they hired you for a for a different country. And so they were the ones who processed that for you, the visa yeah. application and everything. Yep. Yeah. And do you remember how long the whole processing took you? Yeah. So the average processing time of the Hong Kong working visa
1: is normally four to six weeks from the date of submission. But in my case, because the pandemic happened just when I, this was happening, right? So it turned everything in this array. So I I ran into an issue. My work visa had been applied for on March 1, 2020, and then it was approved on March 25, which is, you know, you thought that, whoa, it it's less than four weeks. Great. But the problem is that that is just virtual approval. But the the visa itself is actually not a virtual pass. That means it's a physical sticker that needs to be given by the government office to your employer, and then the employer will send it to you so you can physically stick it on your passport. So that, you know, when you go to Hong Kong and you present your passport. The immigration will see that, oh, here's a sticker. Okay, you are allowed to go into Hong Kong. The problem was the pandemic happened. I think it was declared a pandemic in March or April 2020, right? So all the offices were closed for the entire April. So (laughs) I was like, oh my God, where is that sticker? Government offices were closed, but then they were working from home. But there were certain segments that could not and that involved that sticker thing because maybe they cannot bring the printer at home and it would be weird if, you know, you have to go to somebody's house just to get a sticker, right? So I got it on. they got it on May 5 and then they couriered it to me. So that was more than a month. So I was going crazy at the time, like, what's happening? Am I leaving Singapore or what the problem was? I had already tendered my resignation because... I had like two months notice or something like that. And then the thing with Singapore is, unlike in Hong Kong, where you are given two years and that doesn't depend on your employment, right? Like, for example, you are given two years. Even if you resign from your company after three months, you can still stay in Hong Kong for the entire two years. In Singapore, that is not the case. It is entirely dependent on your employer. So once you resign... That means your employment pass will be revoked after a month. Mm. So my last day in Singapore was only until March 28th or something. This was the time when the pandemic was, you know, there were so many COVID-19 strains. There was no vaccines and all that. Like, can you imagine my anxiety? Like, I really could not rest <laughs> the those entire oh, oh. time. And then I was supposed to actually start work on like the last week of April, well that had to be pushed out because of that luckily it finally got, they finally got it on may 5 right so i flew i think may 13 or something like that but yeah so that's that was my <laughs> that was the problem that i faced i don't know if that is still the case now maybe not because since then it's been a bit stable right yeah. i mean they have f- figured out how to do things or whatever right so yeah okay we're saved
0: by the bell Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's uh, interesting uh, that Hong Kong's employment visa is it's not tied to an employer. Mm, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, even if you your contract is let's say terminated by your employer, you can still live in Hong Kong.
1: Mm, because it it's not easy to to first of all, if you want to stay on, it's not that easy to look for another job, right? It doesn't take like just a month, so it's very difficult if it's just a month and as a, and also if you want to you know terminate other things right like wind down your rent agreement blah blah, blah and all those things wow that's actually really
0: good like l- comparing it here to new zealand if you have a work visa it has to be tied to an employer mm. because the reason you're here is to work for this specific employer mm. so if your contract is no longer it's terminated you go home For how long, though? How long are you given time to wind up your affairs? I think you are given a month. Mm, So same as Singapore. Mm -mm, Same as Singapore. Yeah. So are you aware of any post-COVID requirements for this employment visa? Or is it largely still the same? Um, When I was Googling about this, I think it's largely still the same.
1: It's just probably the processing time would vary now depending on, you know, if the offices are closed or whatever. Like for example, in the past few weeks, Omicron happened, right? So now the offices are closed again. So probably
0: it takes longer again now. Ah, yeah, okay. Uh oh. lang talaga. So you have to uh, really <laughs> take that into account. Yes, yes.
1: Okay. And I have known some a lot of not really a lot, but a handful of Filipinos surprisingly moved here during the pandemic in 2020 specifically, right? So when we were talking to each other, like, oh, and they also had experiences where in, they were in the Philippines and it took very long, like months, even way longer than me, probably two months, three months, some kind of issue. Luckily, they were just working for the same company. So it was just like an internal company transfer. So maybe that's why it was a bit more, you know, the employer could understand and, you know, it's just a pandemic, right? It's not their fault.
0: Yeah, but what would give Filipinos a better chance of finding work there? What are the skills or what professions in HK are more in demand? Uh, in my experience, when I'm going
1: to these expat mingling parties or whatever, what you call the networking events, I've noticed that a lot of the expats are usually employed in finance like me. Or also in there's surprisingly a lot of school teachers. Ah. Apparently from them, that's what they said. Anyway, school teachers get paid a lot here compared to even let's say UK. There are a lot of people from UK, from Russia, from all these countries. So yeah, I mean apparently it's a lucrative salary here for teachers. Yeah. So I even met one Filipina as well. She also teaches What does she teach? Uh, Kindergarten or something? But children. (laughs) I can't remember Mm -hmm. which. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, I don't know. I obviously cannot just randomly come here if you have no experience in teaching, as I mentioned, right? With the work pass, well. So if there are teachers out there who want to earn more and want to leave the Philippines, I think you sh- you can come here. And finance as well, I would think that is uh, because uh, Hong Kong is a finance hub and there's a lot of people who left Hong Kong in the past two years or so, right? That's because of all the political whatever that I will not get into, but there's been a lot of uh, Hong Kongers who left and moved to UK and other countries. So I think probably that, you know, they have vacated a lot of jobs. And so maybe, I haven't really looked, (laughs) but maybe there are opportunities for
0: those. So yeah, I think that, I think those two probably. All right. Finance and teaching.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Any subject or English or? I think English is most, yeah, when I, I speak to them, they usually teach
1: English, but it's actually a mix. It could be I guess Mm -mm. they could just look. They'll see maybe, I don't know if there's a website for it, but you you could just try looking for jobs in Hong Kong for teachers and maybe, you know, you will find those.
0: Mm -mm. Yeah. I'm curious, Diha. Mm. You work there. I mean, do you have to know Chinese? I don't know, Cantonese or
1: Mandarin? That's a good question. Yeah, they speak Cantonese here more than Mandarin. That's their, I would say... Uh, yeah, that's the language that they speak. So, Mandarin, they do know it a bit because it's something that they learn in school. Siguro, I could compare this to Cebuanos. They are forced to learn Filipino in <laughs> class. That's why they know it, but they are not that fluent in it. But Bisaya is like the Cantonese. So, they mm-hmm. are very fluent in Bisaya. So, the Cantonese is like the Bisaya, you know, imagining Hong Kong is like Cebu, something like that. So, you don't really need to, in my line of work, Because it's a global company, and but there are certain roles within my company though where they prefer that you know the language. For example, you know, you are in business development, like, how can you speak to clients if you don't speak Cantonese? Right? But I do know one VP in our office, she is Filipino, but she is Chinese, so she knows how to speak Mandarin she also is in a client-facing role and she is fine even though she does not speak Cantonese. So I guess it really depends on what the role is. As for teachers, I don't think you need to know how to speak Cantonese for that at all because probably they're
0: teaching English or something like that. So yeah. Yeah, I would assume that because Hong Kong is a global hub, there mm. would be a lot of English jobs in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. For look, Just look for the global companies. There's a lot of... Expats here who barely speak Cantonese, and I have Filipino friends, and none of them speak Cantonese, also. And Cantonese is very difficult to learn, I've heard. But I have to say that I guess if you want to move to different companies, it's probably not as easy as if somebody who can speak Cantonese, because you know, in in the sense that is it easy for you to gel with the current team or not, right? I guess it depends on also the team. Are there a lot of English-speaking people there or not? Because the thing is, surprisingly, I mean, I'm comparing to Singapore. In Singapore, so many people know how to speak English, and that's because even though a lot of them are Chinese, but one of their four major races is Chinese, but they also have like Indians, Malays. Even from a young age, they learn how to speak English to communicate with everyone. Mm-hmm. But here, it's homogeneous race, which most of them are Cantonese-speaking, so they're used to. Speaking in Cantonese, like it, the same in the Philippines, right? Those people who are not used to speaking in English, we do understand English. We, we usually speak Tagalog, right? In the uh, Philippines, if you speak in English, I social, you know, it's like
0: <laughs> it's not, not really,
1: sure. <laughs> it's not really us. Common for Filipinos to speak to each other in English, except in the work setting or or, in, or because there's an expat in your team, that kind of thing. So it's probably similar here. Okay.
0: And Dee, what's your advice Naman, for people who want to go there, to work, to test the waters?
1: Yeah, I would say you have to look for the job first because, as I mentioned, that is required. And I think LinkedIn, I see a lot of jobs being posted on LinkedIn, so they could try there. They should just apply for anything, really. I mean, sometimes you think you're not qualified for something, but you might be surprised that you are. So just apply for that. And then, obviously, once you have that, then you go through the proper channels, so I wouldn't recommend coming here on a in the first place pre pandemic maybe you could come here on a holiday visa, but now you cannot even come in here without uh without any resident visa anyway, so yeah, you definitely need to have a job
0: first yeah yeah it it's true that you should apply for jobs that even if you think that you have slim a slim chance of mm. um getting in i would advise for people who want to move abroad maybe just look for jobs in linkedin and apply mm. for even just two two jobs a day that mm. will compound and eventually someone will call you and contact you and, yeah true that's a good yeah. point yes yeah because that's you don't you, know yeah. kailan nag joyride Alam mo yung may kasama ka, sobrang tawa lang kayo ng tawa, sabaw yung usapan nyo, kahit sang kay dali ng trip nyo, ayos lang. Tapos biglang tatahimik, lalalim yung usapan, magiging intellectual, emotional. Ngayon, kahit stuck ka mag-isa sa bahay, sa traffic, sa trabaho, pwede ka nang sumabay sa Joyride of Intellectual Wall Conversations sa podcast kong Sabayan with Victor, produced by Podcast Network Asia. Sabay na sa sabayan with Victor. Mhm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. If you really want to go abroad, there are a lot of channels, avenues too, and just really be patient. It's not magic. It will take some time. Sometimes, sometimes. <sighs> most of the time, rather.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I would think also that if I compare again Singapore to Hong Kong, right? In Hong Kong it's a lot easier to have your work visa approved compared to Singapore. So, if you really want to leave the Philippines, I think it's easier to move to Hong Kong instead of Singapore especially now because I know so many people who even though they already got a job offer in Singapore, the government still rejected their work visa if you want to be an OFW because you want to earn more or you know, especially if you're in finance perhaps that because that's usually the case right finance it's either singapore or hong kong in southeast asia mm-hmm. so i think hong kong is the way to go because well there's probably a bigger chance for your work visa to be approved here so at first when i got when i applied for mine right i was worried like oh my god this is gonna be like the case in singapore because i had an experience in singapore where it was just a renewal and then my was rejected that was just a renewal and then my company had to downgrade my kind of visa before it was approved so i was paranoid but then i was googling okay what are the chances that you would get rejected here and it's not really as bad as singapore
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
1: Apparently more than twenty thousand Hong Kong dollars a month. That's probably a good chance that you would get approved that that's what I saw online anyway when I was paranoid, right I was mm. okay, i I don't think <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna get rejected, which I did not
0: Mm-mm. yeah, good advice and sabi mo nga it's easier to move to Hong Kong mm. compared to Singapore, so when you move there d could you tell us my assumption? It's easier to adjust to the culture of Singapore. I may be wrong. Yeah. Than to Hong Kong. Yeah. So what were your biggest shocks upon moving there?
1: Okay, so I would say that Singapore and Hong Kong are actually very similar in a lot of cases. So I would just say what they have in common, right? The culture shock I had in Singapore, which I probably would have gotten if I had moved here directly from Philippines as well, is it's the manner because Filipinos are very friendly and warm. And Singaporeans and Hong Kongers are not like that They're very direct But I think a lot of people are Not mm-hmm. just not just Hong Kongers and Singaporeans, right? To you, a Filipino, it would seem there could be even rude, right? But that's not really the case they're, You think they're raising your voice at you But actually, that's just how they speak So mm-hmm. that was a culture shock for me in Singapore And I think here, because i gotten used to it already But the, the people are very much the same And also the very quick pace of life, like even walking, they walk faster than Filipinos. Filipinos are very chill, you know, we're very relaxed. But in Singapore and Hong Kong, they're very efficient and that's why they're so fast to the point that you don't realize that, you know, you're used to that. And then when you go back to the Philippines You're really annoyed At how slow everyone is So it's not just <laughs> Filipinos who feel this way I was talking to a Canadian Here about this And he felt the same way Because Canada He said was also chill And I think that's not just Canada and Philippines A lot I guess Like a lot of my friends Who moved from Singapore To anywhere else They felt the same way When they got there Like oh my god Why is it so slow here You know so, so that that for me Was the culture shock For both countries um, but here, uh, my culture shock is, I guess, with the with the English speaking, because I was surprised that they do not really speak English as much as I mentioned earlier, right, as in Singapore, because most of them are Cantonese. So sometimes it's really hard to communicate with people, like, for example, my building security guard or my landlord's handyman who had to fix my aircon or some salespeople. Like, sometimes you have to reduce the charades, just to get your point across is <laughs> so difficult. Like you point point is saying he wants something. Like what do you want? Like water? What? Like it's <laughs> it's so weird. And yeah, that that I think must my difficulty here mostly.
0: Even here in New Zealand, I mean, with the efficiency thing, mm. the people here are very chill. Also, they walk mm. very slowly, and yeah, they they talk very li- loudly. No, ang 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 mga Cantonese. Mm, yeah. Like You feel like, my
1: God, why are you raising your voice at me? But they're actually not. It's just how they, when they're passionate about something or whatever, that's the case. So you need to be less sensitive. As a Filipino, we are very sensitive people, I realize, so... Yeah, you have to think that you know they're not really being rude. That's just Mm-mm. how they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they
0: talk to each other, Iniisip ko nakaaway ba tong mga to? But apparently, <laughs> that's just like how yeah they how they talk. And yeah, uh, how was the working environment there versus your experience in the past?
1: Well, it's very similar to Singapore in that well, people are very efficient, as I mentioned earlier, right? So the same thing for work, and unlike Filipinos, they don't really waste so much time chit-chatting or having merienda in the morning and merienda in the afternoon and so many breaks in between just for miss. So they don't do that so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but to the point, I mean, to the point that sometimes you don't even know your colleagues, right? Because you don't take time to get to know them. Like, mm-hmm. we have, what, team lunch once a quarter or something. It's not like in the Philippines, you're friends with your teammates, friends with everybody in your company. So, Yeah, I think that's the difference. But I guess, again, it just depends on if you could find the people who are more outgoing or maybe you just need to be the one to reach out. And maybe if you show your silly side, then they will also show theirs or something. So maybe it will take time as well. Because in Singapore, even though that was the case for me as well in the beginning, but eventually I did find my teammates who were very outgoing as well or very very as silly as I am or as friendly as Filipinos actually so yeah maybe i just need to find the right people eventually but i haven't found it right now but yeah so that, i think that is the difference in in the work for for me and um but the the thing here is that they do value their lunch break a lot. So that's what the senior managers always say, like, oh, you you cannot ask them to do something over lunch because they will really take the whole hour off. They have a right to do that, right? You are allowed to that lunch break. So they like to eat the way we Filipinos do, right? Like in other countries, for example, Canada, they say they usually eat their lunch at their desk or something. So here, maybe some people do that, but... A lot of them, they usually go buy food or bring their lunch and eat it in the pantry or something, yeah.
0: Mm, okay, so they take their lunch hour. It's, it's a sacred time. Yes, pretty yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. of course, if you don't have a few minutes for chismisan or even for like merienda, snacks, shempre, you would want to uh, maximize that mm. one-hour window that you have. Yes, and is yeah. that the same for you? Is, that, is your lunch sacred also?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is also um, most of the time anyway, yes. Unlike in Singapore where I actually had lunch buddies that were constant, it's because uh, when I joined my company in Singapore, I had batchmates who were Filipinos, So we would always have lunch together and all that. But here, it's not like that. So most of the time, I'm actually eating lunch by myself. And you could say that I could actually go and have lunch with other people. But then I find that they usually are speaking in Cantonese with each other, and I don't, I don't want to intrude. Or so, I find that some of them are obviously having difficulty speaking in English, and Mm-mm. I think that I'm only stressing them if I talk yeah. to them. So I just kind of try not to add stress to their lives, basically. So
0: <laughs> that mm-hmm. is why
1: I, I usually eat by myself, but you know, I, I'm used to it and it's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind it, it it's a good way to center yourself, also, you know, mm. just being by yourself. Hello my friend, life is quite the journey and we're all so different yet so alike in our humanity. Hi, I'm Juliana Papo and I believe that we have this need
1: to nourish our mind, body and spirit together on this journey called life for us to keep going, for us to better ourselves and for us to get closer to fulfillment, to happiness, one step at a time. Join me as I share stories of inspiration, life realizations, and nuggets of wisdom from my journey and the journey of others I encounter.
0: And how is your standard of living there, Naman, compared to the countries that you lived in in the past?
1: Okay, so I would say that Singapore is smaller compared to Hong Kong, so there's really not that much to do there after a while and it can get boring after a while, basically, because like there's nothing left to explore, and it's mm. very uh not really clinical, but I would say it's very clean, right It's very i don't know, it's like a city, it's just as if there are places that are a bit rural or whatever, but I think in the terms of touristy spots, Hong Kong wins in that regard because mm. there's more to do here, there's a lot of mountains, literal mountains to climb, like not that I like hiking, but I've been forced to go like maybe a couple of times and it's the view is way more beautiful than anything you'll see in Singapore for example and there's a lot of communities like vibrant places and there's a lot more to see and do I don't know if I was just I just didn't know where to look in Singapore before but there's a lot more of expat communities and events here in terms of like travel-ish activities right that there's a lot more to do in Hong Kong in terms of Cost of living. Hong Kong's rent is way higher than Singapore, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say. And then it doesn't help that when I came here, I didn't really know anyone. My friend who was here was leaving. I ended up taking over his apartment. So that was the first time that I actually ended up living by myself. So in Singapore, I was always living with some people. Mm -mm. Like you rent a flat together with friends or even non-friends yeah. So that's why the cost is also cheaper. So when you get here, it's already more expensive and then you're by yourself. So it's suddenly times whatever, times a lot more compared yeah. to what you're used to in Singapore. But And I thought in Singapore, that it was already expensive compared to the Philippines. I don't know why, but most of the Filipinos I know here are living by themselves anyway. Maybe it's because of the age thing also, (laughs) because (laughs) when I moved to Singapore, I was in my 20s. But moving here, I guess those same people I know are also in their 30s. So, you know, you're probably earning a bit more and then you can afford your own place because why would you want to move in with some random strangers
0: at this point in your life? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I can attest to that. Yes, yes. So the the whole flatting situation is just a personal preference that you want to live alone and it's not bawal to have two or more people in a flat?
1: I don't think so because in Singapore, they're more strict in that sense. Like this flat is allowed to only have this many people, but I don't remember seeing anything like that in Hong Kong unless I'm wrong and I just missed that memo or something. But I, I don't think so. In fact, some people live in, they call it subdivided flats or something. Like, you know, it's one big flat that they just put temporary walls to create Uh sub-apartments inside it, that sort of thing. So, those tend to be cheaper, right? But for me, I really live in the flat by myself. So, and most of my friends do as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. And there is a large OFW community there. Yes. Isn't there?
1: Yes. In fact, the domestic helpers, Filipino domestic helpers, All over the world, the biggest population can be found in Hong Kong. Maybe it's because it's near to the Philippines.
0: Mm -mm. Um, Mm -mm. And
1: I think also, probably it's more affordable compared to other countries. Like, for example, North America, you cannot just have a maid, right? Unless you pay them minimum wage. Whereas in Hong Kong, I I don't know how much. (laughs) I don't remember how much they earn, but it's definitely not minimum wage. So that is why... Um, most of the families, especially those with children, they have the dom- domestic helpers. Uh, like my office mates with children, they usually have one. There are so many here, and I think there is even a movie about. Is it Hello, Love, Goodbye? Right with Kathleen Bernardo. You know, basically, I think it was kind of portraying what life was here. And I think it was a bit accurate. Mm. There, they mentioned there was like beauty contest that domestic helpers attend. They join it. Speaking of that, coincidentally, I do know a domestic helper because I need help in cleaning my flat. So I was talking to her and she mentioned that part about the beauty contest. And she said she doesn't understand why some domestic helpers join those. like Because they waste a lot of money, right? They pay a lot and she said they even take out loans just to pay for like their costumes. But of course she's different. She has different values. Yeah. So that's what people do here. I would think it's probably because it's also a sense of community for them, right? Mm -hmm. Like that because there are a lot of them doing that. So it makes them happy. They have something to it's their hobby. It's something to look forward to. So even if they spend money on it, well, what what else are they going to have fun with, right? Like because If you're a domestic helper and you're living with your amo, like usually it's six days a week or sometimes you even just have two days off on a month or whatever, then you need something to look forward to, right, on on your days off. So maybe that is why it's okay.
0: Wow. This uh, beauty pageant, is it sponsored by the embassy, the Philippine embassy, or is it just something they have amongst themselves, the OFWs? I I am not sure but I don't think it would be <laughs> it's Mm-mm. probably
1: something they came up with themselves. Oh. And yeah, probably. Huh? I I am not entirely sure but I really think it's because of community and probably also because in the Philippines we just really love beauty pageants and
0: yeah. And yeah. maybe it's
1: part of like, you know, in the Philippines they probably didn't get a chance to be part of a beauty pageant and it's they're kind of fulfilling a dream or something by mm-hmm. doing that, and that is probably why they do that. Yeah,
0: yeah, for some a bit of a sparkle and showmanship and color in your life, mm-hmm. and yeah it, yeah, it it really just helps you connect to your roots because in Philippines, yeah, we are balio, balio na balio. <laughs> yes, the beauty pageants. <laughs> yes, so we yeah, are. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting aspect. I didn't know that we had that in Hong <laughs> Kong. This is yes. the first I've heard of it. And yeah. Yeah, the but yung to how are you now? You know, it's Hong Kong has been in the news in the past, mm-hmm. been chaotic, but how is your condition now? Yeah,
1: okay. So when I talk to people who are here before me, right, they talk about like three eras of Hong Kong, which is normal life before, <laughs> which it was and they would also say it was a very good life. Like, you know, you you weren't okay, and then you could go eat, you could go meet friends, you could travel, whatever go anywhere you want, right? And then and then the next phase is the protest phase, which happened, I think, 2018, 2019, something like that. And yeah, that is the time when it, they were talking about how sometimes they would just be in the grocery store shopping when suddenly the... There would be like tear gas, Mm-mm. you know, in there because yeah. somebody had thrown a tear gas bomb or whatever, and then they would be ushered out, like rushed out of the grocery. People generally didn't really want to go out and go shopping, right? Like because you don't know what's gonna happen. And then came the pandemic era, so I missed out on the protest era because of pandemic. And I think during 2020, sometime in June, so right after I arrived, they. Had some new law or something that, you know, if, if you go on protests, you would be arrested or something, I think. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. That's the thing, right? When I got my visa sticker, finally, I also found out that the Hong Kong was enacting the, at the time, two-week quarantine. That was the Mm-mm. first time that there was a quarantine involved. And so I had to be in quarantine for two weeks when I came here. And then when I came out, on that day, there was a protest somewhere around the vicinity of the building I was in. But I wanted to go and apply for my Hong Kong ID. Uh uh-uh. So, well, I had no choice. I had to go out. So I went out. But then just very quickly went back to the hotel because I was afraid, like, what's going to happen, right? And then there were no more protests. So the problem was the pandemic now. So... That's the three eras in the pandemic.
0: Oh gosh. But yeah, generally you're all safe. Generally pretty safe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because even though there's like a lot of cases, there's three digit number cases per day. That's still low compared to other countries, right? Mm-hmm. Thousands or whatever. So here it's they are kind of they are containing it and it's still okay. But they have actually lowered. It's not twenty one days quarantine anymore. It's back to fourteen. So really, back to twenty twenty. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: And laughs> yeah. What if you What if you get sick? Do you have government healthcare, or is that something mm. that your company provides you?
1: It's government. So the good thing about here is the government will take everything, not take everything, take in everyone with COVID. Well, it's good and bad because even though you don't have terrible symptoms, right? Like Omicron is supposedly just mild. They will still bring you to the hospital. So maybe that's why some people are still paranoid about catching it because even if you're vaccinated already, but even if you're just asymptomatic, I think they will still quarantine you in a hospital so that's why people are like why <laughs> so so yeah so they do pay for everything like even those who are very grave danger sorry I mean you know
0: <laughs> yeah really severe illness <laughs> yeah yeah like
1: terrible <laughs> symptoms yes so everyone is brought to the hospital and not just them everyone that they've had in been in close contact with are quarantined as well not in the hospital but either in hotels or facilities. Yeah. So recently, because of Omicron, they have this Penny's Bay facilities. It was fully booked. Because everyone, not everyone, but so many people are having it. So now they have resorted to just home quarantining people. So for mm. your entire building, the thing is like, oh, there's like, let's say one person who got COVID in this building. The whole building is not allowed to leave the <laughs> building for, I don't know, three days or something like that. So it's a bit... Too much, but but, I, but that is the reason why it was pretty okay in twenty twenty one, I guess.
0: But in general, if uh, you get sick, not COVID, just get sick. Uh, is it also the government that pays for you, or is it the uh, healthcare provided by your employer?
1: Uh, there is actually some kind of universal healthcare here, but it's not like completely free. Mm. I think you pay a little. I don't know if it's per day or per stay or something, but you you just pay. Like maybe 100 Hong Kong dollars is what people have said if it's in a government hospital. So it's very low. How, what, what is that in pesos? Suddenly, <laughs> I don't even
0: know. Can 100. 100. Hong 100 Hong Kong dollars to peso. It's
1: 655 pesos. Yeah, which is not too bad, right? Yeah, so there is a government. So that means uh, you don't have to worry. Like if, like my friend, Filipino friend here, he accidentally chopped his finger not chopped but slit his finger so yeah when he they you know they called the ambulance for him he wasn't charged for the ambulance i think he just needed to pay like around a hundred something for going to the i don't know if it was for the ambulance or going to the er or something yeah but obviously if you're working for a good company they would also provide a private healthcare, right because that's the government thing is only for the government hospitals Mm-mm. and usually those take longer right there will be a longer queue yeah something like that so sometimes people were like oh I don't have the patience to sit here for three hours because I slit my finger open so yeah <laughs> so if you do have a private insurance for your employer then you could avail of that I, I do have that so it depends again on your employer what they the kind of insurance that they give you, right?
0: Mm. That's interesting. That's good to know. Thank you, D. And you know, after all of this, after all is said and done, is the grass greener in Hong Kong for you? Yes and no, I would say. So yes, yes. elaborate.
1: Yeah, yes, in terms of earning power. I would say you can definitely afford a better life here in Hong Kong because, well, Hong Kong to peso uh, if you convert times 6.5. Even though it's more expensive for to have the rent here and the food here and all that, but for example, like an iPhone, it would cost the same regardless of where you are in the world, right? So that means yeah. you can afford it more here. Like for example, maybe an iPhone is just going to be a small portion of your salary here in Hong Kong compared to in the Philippines, some people maybe it's more than one month's salary. Even yes. So if Mm-mm. you just compare to that, then you can afford more, right? And if you, and that is the reason why a lot of Filipinos leave. Yeah, yeah, and also even if let's say the as I said the rent and the food and everything here is more expensive, but then your your salary is also more ex- bigger, not more expensive, but it's bigger here compared to the Philippines, right? So you it still is um you know if you look at it on a percentage basis right so you rent in the philippines and hong kong maybe percentage wise um you probably would still be able to have more left over in hong kong compared to the philippines probably depends again yeah. on the people <laughs> and <laughs> on what you know level they are or something but um i still know it's because of well you're a filipino so you're used to the filipino culture right like mm-hmm. people are friendlier warmer um, I do miss the way we celebrate Christmas in the Philippines, for example. Um, and also I do miss the Filipino food, although there's a lot of food here, but then when I see Filipino food, like suddenly I still want it, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and
1: yeah. that sort of thing. And um yeah, I think it's it's really that the 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 why it's still better in the Philippines for me. Um my closest friends remain to still be, well, Filipinos, even though they're not in the Philippines, right? Like, I, my closest friends here are also Filipinos, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that's why. Yeah. That's yes and no, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can you can take the uh, the person out of the Philippines, but you can't take the Philippines out of the person. It's always gonna be a con to be mm. away from home, wherever yes. you are, yep. kahit na... Yeah, even even you know, same for everyone I've interviewed, even though they earn more. Mm. It's still you know, it the the homesickness is still very, very much in there. Mm, yes. and will always be there. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you D. and um, tell us, tell us about Banana Q podcast.
1: All right, yes. So Banana Q is a Filipino flavored podcast hosted by myself and my longtime friend Ray who is also an overseas Filipino worker, but he is currently based in Japan. But the two of us met in Singapore, so we were colleagues there. So we answer questions using our own experiences as Filipinos through funny, informative, yet oddly entertaining conversations. And if you're interested in OFWs, we actually have a lot of um, OFW interviews there as well. And as for my own story about how I ended up in Singapore which is like kind of a comedy or people are saying it's inspiring and funny at the same time so if you're interested in that you can listen to episode four and thank you very much for inviting me on this podcast and I really enjoyed myself
0: yeah yes yeah for anybody who wants a bit of uh yung halo halo about uh, the culture of the Philippines Do listen to Banana Q. It talks about so many different aspects of our culture. And it is so entertaining and interesting. And honestly, one of my favorite Filipino podcasts. Ah, Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Dee, for being here with us today. And if you like this podcast, do follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Send us an email. Maybe buy us a coffee. Uh, follow us on TikTok. Ano pa ba? Yun na lang yata yun. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, or you can send me an audiogram as well. So the links are in our show notes for you to peruse. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. See you in the next two weeks. I am Kring Laxon with D of Banana Q, and this is the Greener Side.